Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where a below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. Today's guest is former Duke women's basketball player Amber Henson. Amber played for the Blue Devils from 2012 to 2016. She's the second member of EJAC that I've talked to, Jenna Frush being the first. Before I retire from this podcasting gig, I guess it's my goal to have all four members on here. I got to do it. Amber, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So you grew up in Tampa, Florida. And I have to say, I was always an East Coast Florida lover. My mom grew up in Boca Raton, so I'd go there several times a year. But I went to Tampa for the first time this past year, and the West Coast of Florida is beautiful. It is. It is. I love Tampa. Um, I miss the beach the most. Uh, Clearwater Beach, St. Pete Beach, some beautiful beaches there. Um, I'm sure you're accustomed to beautiful beaches on the East Coast as well, um, but definitely miss the sunny skies and the beaches in Florida. Yeah, I went to Clearwater. Very crowded, but the water was clear. <laughs> Indeed. That's why it's I as advertised. Tea, because Clearwater, Clearwater is pretty crowded usually. That's kind of the more touristy one. And St. Pete's the quieter beach. All right. Next time I'll go to St. Pete's. Yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> interesting fact about you is you come from a family that roots for the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. For anyone that doesn't know, Duke and North Carolina are major rivals. Yeah, um, so growing up, that was one of the kind of key rivalries that my family watched growing up. Uh, my mom's family's from North Carolina. My dad was a Tar Heel fan growing up. Um, so yes, I, and even... I. I'm very hesitant to admit this out loud, but when I was younger and dumber, I was also a Tar Heel fan. <laughs> uh, ended up making a <laughs> ended up making a different decision later on, um, but yeah, it's, that rivalry's always been a big part of not only my family, just but just kind of what we enjoy about the sport of basketball. Your older brother John played for UNC and is now in the NBA, playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Yes, he's playing for the Cavaliers. Awesome career at UNC. Um, I did cheer for people ask me all the time, like when he was playing Duke, who did you cheer for? And I was like, I hoped that my brother scored 40 points and had 20 rebounds. But at the end of the day, Duke won, and I was happy. Um, when he was in school, they I think UNC got the best of um, Duke a few times. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of had a reason to be excited either way when he was in school. Okay, yeah, he was on a few really good teams. He played with Kendall Marshall, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, yep, Harrison, um, Reggie Bullock. So he had a really great class, and I think I think it was his junior year. They were kind of projected to go to the national championship, and Kendall got hurt, John got hurt, and ended up, um, I think they got out the Elite Eight maybe um, against Kansas. So it was super disappointing, but um, I loved watching them play. Yeah, that must have been fun. And your younger sister went to UNC as well, right, as a student? Yeah, she just graduated this past May. Um, so she's a Tar Heel grad. Um, I tried to convince her come to the dark side, the dark blue side. Um, <laughs> but she, she just loved, she went to visit UNC, and she just loved the campus and um, the vibe. She didn't play sports or anything. And I feel kind of bad for her because, obviously, having a brother and a sister that played Tobacco Road, the first thing that people ask her is like, oh, do you play basketball? And she has to disappoint them and say no. Um, <laughs> but she's an incredibly talented writer and um, kind of paving her own lane, so cool stuff. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you don't have to do something just because your siblings do it. Exactly. She was just like, eh, no, I'm not feeling that basketball thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everyone. I know you said you rooted for Carolina when you were younger, but I also saw a photo, it was written in a Duke article, that you liked Duke before you were recruited. When you were young, and I guess it was a school assignment, you said you wanted to attend Duke or Harvard. Do I have that right? Yep, yep that is correct. I, um, I actually sent um, a picture of that to our SID at Duke, because I was like, oh my God, like, I don't even remember doing this, but apparently Duke was the way forward for me. Um, but yeah, it was like a third or fourth grade assignment where you had to write kind of your goals and what you're interested in. And I was like, I want to be a basketball player and I want to be a doctor and I want to go to Duke or Harvard. My favorite subjects are math and science. I'm like, well, oh, that was pretty, I mean, I didn't become a doctor, but <laughs> the rest of it was pretty spot on, even from, you know, third grade me. Wow. I'm sure that wasn't a piece of work that your parents hung on the refrigerator, though. They probably didn't like the Duke part. <laughs> Not quite. I mean, they, they're always obviously supportive of all of us, but it did. Funny story. My dad, when I first got to college, um, I would kind of give him Duke gear. And I'm like, hey, how come you never wear the Duke gear to my games? Like, you have it in your closet. I know you have it. Um, but he would never wear it to games. And then one day he came to the game and he had a Duke hat on. And I was like, yes, I've broken the armor. I've broke down the wall. It's happening. <laughs> um, so that was really special when he was, like, decked out in Duke gear for the first time. So now I have to ask you this. When he was at John's game, was he decked out in Carolina gear? Yes, he was. That was oh, like, Dad. That was easy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just like, oh, I just can't bring myself to bring to wear Duke gear. And da, 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 da. I think it was more his disdain for the Duke men's basketball team. Um, but then once I explained, I'm like, you can like Duke women's basketball and not be supporting Duke men's basketball. Like, I'll get you all Duke women's basketball gear, so it's very clear. Um, yeah, so that was like, like okay, exactly. So that made it work. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably the only one in the parents section that didn't have that deep blue on. He was. He would always wear like white or gray, and he would just look like a random bystander. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome, though, that you have that individuality to you where you went against the family. Yeah, it's probably that middle child rebellion. You know, middle children are always known for <laughs> their rebellious <laughs> nature. Um, obviously, I'm super close to my brother and sister, and um, it really helped that it was down the street. And that was a big thing for me. I was like, well, I love my brother, and it'd be awesome to play basketball and be right down the street from him. But maybe I don't want to be, like, on the same campus. <laughs> um, so it was really perfect, and I don't think there's anything like it in terms of rivalries that are that close physically um, where you can literally go down the street. I had a lot of friends at UNC, um, and it was, I mean, it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't had the pleasure of going to Duke or UNC yet. I definitely plan to get up there at some point, or down there because I'm in Jersey. But anyway... Is it eight miles? That's what people say, right? Eight miles apart? It is. It is eight miles, about a 12, 15-minute drive, depending on traffic. <laughs> That's nuts. And you bring up an interesting point. You know, you, you wanted to play near John. You guys both left the state of Florida and end up at schools that are so close together. And your parents probably could come to North Carolina for the weekend and get to see both you guys play. Exactly. We were thinking about their, their pockets. We're like, look, you only got to make one trip to the RDU area. 
Uh, my mom actually ended up moving to Chapel Hill because <laughs> that oh, was nice. easier. Um, so even when my sister was in school, obviously kind of she was in school a little bit after us. Um, but yeah, she was able to visit with my sister, come to my game, and my brother would come back to campus. It was just super convenient because we were all right there in the area. You should have made it a little bit harder for them. Back to your third grade essay. If you went to Harvard, they'd have to travel from Massachusetts and then North Carolina and they're in Florida. You, you should have made it a little harder. That middle, <laughs> know, that right? middle sibling it's rebellion. Been... Yeah, you're right. You're right. I could have done better there. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into basketball when you were younger? Um, I think it was my dad played basketball in college. He played at Norfolk State. Um, he never really, like, pressured me into it, really. I cheered. I played soccer. Um, I went to arts and crafts camp a lot. I loved nice. art. And I went to a lot of, like, science and math camps. I was kind of a dork when I was younger. Um, but then I started to grow. Um, and my dad was like, hey, look, you're growing. Like, you should at least try it out. Um, so when I was six or seven, I played on a YMCA team. And it was super easy because my brother was already playing with the YMCA teams. And it was already a part of our family. Um, so it wasn't that big of a deal to just get thrown into the mix. So, um, it was fun. My brother and I trained together a lot growing up, which was super helpful, um, in developing my game, just being able to see him as a role model, play against him and things like that. Did you ever beat him in one-on-one? Um, maybe once. I, I beat him less in one-on-one and more in, like, shooting games, like horse and things like that. <laughs> That's why I always joke with him. I'm like... If you had my jump shot and I had your knees, <laughs> we both might be all stars. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to get into the knees. But before we do that, you played high school basketball at Walter L. Sickles. How was the team? Um, it was good. So I, I know I'm, I tell most people that I'm from Tampa, but I've actually lived lots of places. Um, before Tampa, I was in Round Rock, Texas. I played at Round Rock High School, and um, the, the caliber of basketball in Texas is just extraordinary. <laughs> um, so it was a little bit different coming to Tampa where the level of competition wasn't as well. Um, in Texas, we had, like, fre- uh, freshman A team, freshman B team, JV, and varsity, whereas wow. in Tampa, there was, like, barely a JV team and then a varsity team. We were really good in our district, and we won, like, our district, and we ended up um, going pretty far in uh, state my senior year. Uh, What did we get to, like, Final Four maybe? Yeah, Final Four. Um, So we were really good, but the level of competition, and when compared to what we were doing in Texas, um, was a little bit different. So that took some adjustment, and it also took me, I guess, reframing my mindset in Texas. I had a really good you know, high school basketball game, that was something to feel really good about because I was playing against other D1 players. Um, but in Tampa, it wasn't the case that I was playing against other D1 players at, um, night in and night out. I really had to adjust my training and making sure I was, you know, staying up to the level of competition that I would be expecting, like, at Duke and other schools. So why did you move from Texas to, to Florida? Um, it was my dad's job. So he got a new job, and he's like, oh, I know this really sucks. My, it was my brother's, it was after my brother's junior year. So my brother only did his senior year of high school in Tampa, oh, um, which was hard. obviously really hard. Yeah, it was really hard for him. We, my parents did, however, <laughs> because they knew the move would be really hard. They were like, all right, we need to make sure they get, we find a neighborhood 
that has a good school academically, but also a good basketball school. Um, so they did that, and my brother's team got to the state championship his senior year too. Um, so it was, it was, I mean, basketball-wise, we were still, you know, at a competitive school and everything, but it was definitely a transition to move in the middle of high school. Wow, yeah. I moved in seventh grade, and I thought that was hard. Yeah, I can't imagine how moving uh, that late in high school would be. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, like, I've lived in Memphis, Michigan, Jersey, all over. So moving, it was just kind of another move. It was just a little bit harder because, you know, by the time you're in high school, you really have your friends and basketball's going well and all that. Yeah, wow. So I know you said the competition in Florida wasn't as good as in Texas. Did you play AAU, though, to kind of make up for that? Yep, yep. I played AAU, and that's where I had to put kind of most of my focus. I played with the um, Orlando Comets, which I don't even know if they're – they were a Nike team then. I don't know what they are now. Um, but that – like, I played against some great players. I played with some great players. So that always kept my game in check. Yeah, AAU is definitely where the competition's at. Yep, exactly. So John goes to UNC in the summer of 2009, which I'm sure makes your family so happy. But at this time, you still have two more years of high school where you're blowing up as a highly rated recruit. So what schools were you seriously considering going to? Um, At the time, Texas, because I I lived right outside of Austin. Um, And Coach G had just moved from Duke to Texas, I think. Coach G was a big part of the reason that I was interested in Duke in the first place. Um, she's a legend. Her teams were incredible. Um, so Texas was definitely on my radar. Um, if I would have stayed in Florida, University of Florida, um, but then also had offers from Duke, UNC, um, looked at Maryland and LSU as well. And Tennessee. So, UNC, so, so UNC did recruit you? Yes, they did. And funny story about that. Um, I went to their elite camp one year, and I talked to the coaches, and everything was great. And then I talked to Coach Hatchell, and she was like, are you ready to become a Tar Heel? And I was like in eighth or ninth grade. So I was like, oh, no, I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready to make that decision. But I'm, I'm like, I really appreciate you considering me and talking to me and, you know, offering me a scholarship and everything. And then somehow, like, two weeks later, there's some small town in Virginia had released a story that I had committed to UNC. Uh, <laughs> So my dad was like, whoa, that's not true. She didn't commit, blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty funny because, I mean, a lot of people expected me to go there. Um, and I, that was probably one of my top two. Duke and UNC were my final two. Wow. Um, but it was just funny that that story broke <laughs> before I had committed or anything. <laughs> I'm surprised your dad didn't run with it. Like, yeah, she's going. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. At that point, he was like, you need to make a smart decision, make your own decision. You're super supportive. Yeah, especially if you're only in eighth or ninth grade. That's really young. Exactly. Like, you never know what could happen between uh, eighth grade and that time to go to college. You said Duke and UNC were your top two. When you went and visited Duke, what was it about the campus, about the program that led you to put that over UNC and commit there? Um, I'd say the coaching staff. Um, there was just something about the coaching staff that felt very tight-knit. Um, coach P was super energetic. She was a younger coach, um, which means which meant that she also had kids. She had a daughter that was kind of college age or the same age as me. 
Um, so there are a lot of things that she understood about being a young woman, becoming a young adult, that I think um, translated into how she treated us as players. Um, and then also Duke is, uh, people don't realize this, but Duke is a very small school. Um, I know the name, people are like, oh, Duke, but we have what, like 6,000 6, undergrads. Um, so I really like the tight-knit community and knowing that I came in knowing that I had an injury and knowing that I could be sidelined. So just trying to find a school that will give me the best academic um, outcome was also big for me. And don't they call Duke the Harvard of the South? Yes, they do. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was either real Harvard or Harvard of the South. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. What was your parents' reaction when you told them you were going to become a Duke Blue Devil? They were super excited. I mean, I I committed after it was March. I was in Greensboro for the ACC tournament, and Duke had I don't even remember. I think they had won it. Um, and I called Coach P. I was in the airport on my way home and said, I want to be a Blue Devil. And they were just, my parents were just so excited for me. One, because obviously I chose a great school and a great program, but also, like, just for the whole recruiting process and waiting and coaches calling and doing the whole show and hoorah was finally over. And I could just focus on enjoying my senior year. Um, so that was really nice. Nice. So they approved. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so senior year of high school, you win the Florida Gatorade Player of the Year Award, and you're a part of a recruiting class at Duke with, I believe, number one recruit Elizabeth Williams, Kalia Johnson, yourself, and then Jenna Frush joining the team that summer. And the eject joke I was referring to before comes from the first letter of those four first names. So I want to say you guys were the number one recruiting class that year. Is my memory correct? Yeah, we were. We were. And even in Duke, I think when Chelsea and all of them were there, we had two or three number one recruiting classes in a row. So really honored to be a part of that, um, especially going out with Elizabeth, who was obviously highly touted and did incredible things at Duke. So it was great. So when I spoke to Jenna, she said that the first time she joined the team at the, I guess the first practice, you guys were in the film room, Kalia Johnson asked her to move. She didn't realize she was on the team. Were you a part of that? Were you mean to Jenna? I wasn't mean to Jenna. I was right behind Kalia. Uh, we were sitting, it was actually study hall, but it was being held in one of the football um, film rooms. And Jenna was sitting there and we were trying to like walk through the row so we can sit down. Kalia's in front of me, <laughs> walks up to Jenna and is like, move. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Kalia. Um, at that point, we didn't know that she was on the team, but later that day, we figured out that she was the walk-on on the team. Uh, because, I mean, if you know Jenna, she's like 5'5", five, five maybe. Um, she was super, super skinny at that time. We were like, there's no way she's on the basketball team. Like, if you saw her, you would not think that she was on the basketball team. Um, so, yeah, that was a funny story about our meeting. I'm glad it didn't turn out, you know, I, I'm glad that moment wasn't a reflection of our relationship to go. <laughs> so you guys come to Duke in the summer of 2011, but as you kind of mentioned before, you came to campus with an injury. What was that injury? What happened? Yeah, so I had um, my senior year of high school, I was having some knee trouble and I had gone to doctors in Tampa, and they're like, oh, you're just growing. It's just normal, tall people need problems. 
But I just, I've had those before, and I know what those feel like, and I knew that what I was feeling at that time was a little bit different. Um, so by that, that time, I had already committed to Duke. So Coach, she was like, just come up to Duke and, you know, visit with our team doctors, and they'll take a look at you. Um, so what I had was under my kneecap, I had some cartilage defects, which were basically like, if you think about a smooth road, I had potholes <laughs> in my road. Um, so I had some cracks and some holes under my kneecap. So the first surgery I had before I even got to school was to kind of try to smooth it out, which was okay for a while. Um, and then those holes and cracks started to reform. And so that kind of set off my freshman year. I played a few preseason games, um, maybe one or two regular season games. And then that kind of set off the chain of <laughs> injury, recovery, injury, recovery, injury, recovery, recovery. Jeez. So it wasn't, it wasn't brought on by a fall or you didn't tear anything. This just sort of happened. Yeah, so what I was told was that, one, and, and because I went to the doctor after the fact, it's not like I had one fall or one moment where something happened. It was kind of a wear over time. It could have happened. I could have tweaked my knee and not thought much of it, and that's when it happened. Um, but since I don't recall any moments like that, it was, they were just saying, oh, this probably is just something that's happened over time. Um, it could be like a genetic, you know, your kneecaps could have just, been you know, defective in a sense um, to begin with. Um, so yeah, that, that, I think that was the toughest part. It's when you fall and twist your knee, and you're like, oh yeah, I tore it. But when it's something that, that develops over time, it's, it's really difficult to kind of come to terms with like, what, how did this happen? Why is this happening? Um, so yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So you redshirt your freshman year, but then you also have to redshirt your sophomore year, right? Yep, yep. So I had my first surgery in January of my freshman year. And then from that point on, I was having surgery like literally every three to six months. <laughs> so I would, I would have surgery, do rehab, kind of get back, and then something would happen. Either a piece of um, whatever they put in would get knocked off or a new crack would form or have a bone bruise or the cartilage they put in overgrew. So they had to go shave it back down. Like it was just, Constantly, you know, it was like a constant roller coaster. Every time I would see the light at the end of the tunnel, something else would happen, and I'm back under the night. Uh, that's awful. I mean, how hard was it for those two years just sitting and watching the games, not being able to be a part of them? Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I think my first surgery, I was okay because I was like, you know, I'm going to have surgery, get this out of the way. Um, but by the time I had the second and third surgery, it just, it was hard. It was, it was hard to watch. It was hard to, um, try to be a part of the team and motivate. Cause you know, when your teammates, for instance, if your teammates are running sprints and you're trying to motivate them, but you can't run sprints, it's just very difficult to try to motivate and lead from the sidelines when you're not kind of in the trenches with your team. And that's one of the parts that I just, appreciate and miss most about being a Duke is just being in the trenches, doing the hard work, battling, struggling with my team. Um, because when I wasn't able to do that, it just, it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. And while you're going through this, I imagine that it was nice to have John pretty close by. Yeah. It was really nice just to have kind of an outlet or a distraction. Um, even though I couldn't be on the court, being able to go and cheer for him, 
um, root for him and his team, kind of something removed from the daily kind of frustration that I was in. Um, it was really nice. And he was super supportive as well. Like, he, whenever I had surgery, he was always the first one to be like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Is there anything that I can do for you? Um, so it was really nice having him close when I was going through that. That's great. And he would go to the games even though you weren't playing. I remember um, it wasn't Duke-UNC, but it was Duke. Maybe you guys were playing Maryland or some other big game. And uh, ESPN showed him in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. He um, he couldn't, you know, come to a lot of games. But when he did get the time and they weren't on the road themselves, um, he would come to the games, which was really exciting for me, even though I wasn't playing, just to have support. Um, I, he knew a few of the girls on my team as well. So through friendships with them, would come see them play and things like that. Now, when you guys went to each other's games, did you guys get booed? <laughs> Not really. Um, I think it was more... I think it was more kind of an excitement or like, wow, that's really cool type thing. Um, because one, when I went to his games, most of the people didn't know who I was because it was not like I was playing at the time. Um, a lot of the Carolina family and parents obviously knew who I was because I grew up coming to the games and watching my brother. So we'd always have a little trash talk there. But in terms of like the crowd doing us or anything, I think it was, it was actually pretty friendly in terms of us. Uh, going over to each other's uh, home territory. Oh, that's good. Because at the end of the day, it's just a game. Exactly, exactly. And you'd be surprised how many Duke-UNC connections and ties there are. Like, our story is not necessarily unique. Um, There are brothers, and like, even Jenna, like, she has brothers and sisters at both schools, and, you know, so the school being so close, it's inevitable that there's going to be some crossover and some connections. Um, I think that's a part of what makes it really special. It's like, yes, it's a bitter rivalry, but we're still connected in so many ways. Yeah, you're right. The connections are are crazy. The Capel brothers, Jeff Capel yep. now, the <laughs> exactly. coach at Pitt. His yep. brother played at UNC. Yep, exactly. A couple years ago, Austin Rivers, his sister was dating a UNC player. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, and, yep. And now, and now she's married to Seth, Seth Curry. So, oh, that, wow. Yeah, they just got married, so good stuff. Yeah, so from your point of view, she went to the good side and married a dude. She did, exactly. <laughs> She's a smart, smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> and ESPN ran an article a day or two before uh, the Duke Carolina game a few years ago where a Duke women's basketball player was dating a, a UNC men's player. I thought that was really cool. Yep, yep. Faith and Bryce were dating, um, and they were both super supportive too. Bryce was always at her game. She was always at his game. So if, if, if the schools were a little further apart, that may happen less, but they're literally down the road. Duke's not a huge school. So a lot of times we'll hang out at UNC or things like that. Um, and friendships, bonds, relationships form that way. That's really cool. So the first time you're able to play is your junior year. Yep, my junior year. A long time coming. <laughs> Finally out on the court. And by that time, you had gone through six surgeries, right? Yep, six knee surgeries. Hadn't been playing competitively for two straight years. So I think my junior year was like really tough for me just because one just it's one thing to be sidelined for six months and you come back but not to play for two full years 
is really big and it takes a hit on your confidence. Like the top, not not necessarily like confidence in your game. That was a big part of it too. But like confidence in your body. Like what am I able to do? What am I not able to do? Um, what things have kind of gotten like rusty over the last two years? Just like getting back in basketball motion and basketball shape was like really really tough after being out for two straight years. Yeah, I can imagine. And then on top of it. You're playing in the ACC, probably the best conference <laughs> in Division One women's basketball. Exactly. There's not many. There aren't many opponents where you can just say, "All right, you know, we'll just see how she does against these guys." So they won't be tough. But the conference was loaded. The conference was stacked. Um, so it was, it was definitely a big adjustment um, getting back into the flow of things. And doctors had told you that this was potentially a career-ending injury, but you defied yeah. the odds and didn't let it end your career. You got back yeah. on the court. Yeah, and and that was that was obviously a, a shock when you hear that, and you played your whole entire life to get to this point, and then when you get to the point where it's being told that mm, actually this might not work out for you, really tough. Um, but at the end of the day, I came to Duke obviously to get an education, but I was really there because I wanted to be a Duke women's basketball player, and even after my fourth surgery, my dad was like, all right, don't you think, like, it's time to consider whether this is worth it, the toll taking your body, I already have pretty bad arthritis. <laughs> dad like, don't you want to be able to run around with your kids when you get older? Um, so I really had to start to think about, like, okay, like, what, is this worth it? Is it worth, is getting out there worth the toll that I'm putting on my body with all these surgeries on the same knee to fix the same problem? Um, but at the end of the day, I decided that this is what I was here to do. Um, I have, what, only so many years of eligibility. After that, nothing is guaranteed. This is the last guaranteed time I have to play basketball on this level. Um, and honestly, if I wasn't playing, I don't really know what else I would be doing at school. Like, <laughs> I guess studying more, I don't know. But uh, it was just such a huge part of my life. Um, my teammates had become my sisters, and I just, don't really know what I would have done if that wasn't a part of my college experience. I mean, I'm sure you would have found a different path had basketball no longer been an option. But obviously you worked hard, and you should be really proud that you put in that work to get back and help your team. Yep, exactly. And I'm really thankful to Coach P and the staff. Um, They were huge because they never gave up on me. I know (laughs) a lot of times you have players that have you know, four or five, six injuries before they even get on the court. They kind of just, you know, coaches are like, all right, well, we'll just get her healthy and put her on the back burner. They never did that. They always kept me motivated. They always pushed me. They always made sure that I knew that there was a spot for me on the floor. Um, I just had to go get it. They always made sure that I knew that they hadn't counted me out. Um, and when I was healthy, that I would play a role on the team. So super important, too, and I'm really, really thankful for um, our coaches in that, in that regard. That's awesome. How excited were you when you were told that you could play? <laughs> too excited. It was almost too good to be true because I had been going through this cycle of like, oh, you're almost there. Just kidding. Another surgery. Oh, you're almost there. Just kidding. Another surgery. So I didn't get too high, too high on it because I was just so used to the <laughs> – being disappointed afterwards um but just being out there honestly being in practice was like the best thing just being able to do full practice compete with my teammates like 
that was the best thing. Um, obviously, games were fun and everything like that, but if, if there's something I miss the most is just, like, the grind in practice where you're fouling each other hard and you're <laughs> having to run sprints, and it's, it's just more of a battle and a grind with your teammates. I think you're the only person that would say that. They, they miss practice. <laughs> <laughs> they miss running I, I sprints. Think, I think, and it's not that I miss running sprints, but I think that when you miss so much of the journey and the process, you start to appreciate the process more. People who are in practice every day, of course, they're like, oh, practice, we're just ready to go to the game. But there were times where all I, I just wished and hoped, like that was just my greatest hope that I could practice tomorrow. <laughs> like that was like what I was hanging on to. So I learned to appreciate it so much more. And hopefully, you know, people that are playing now don't wait until they go through something tragic or dramatic to really appreciate the journey. Um, but I, I will say that that really made me appreciate like going to the weight room <laughs> because there were times where I couldn't go to the weight room with the team being in practice because there were so many times where I was not allowed to practice. I had to like do, you know, rehab and watch. Um, so those moments that you take for granted really became really special for me in that regard. But yeah, that's true in life, not just in basketball. You take things for granted and you don't even realize it until they're gone. And then you realize how much you miss it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's, and that's just one of the many lessons that I've, I've taken with me from that experience. It's just like, enjoy the little things that don't, you don't really think mean much because once they're gone, those are really the things that you miss the most. You're exactly right. So you play junior, senior, and a fifth year. In that time, did you experience any other knee injuries or pain? Yeah, I actually tore my senior, so I guess my fifth year, was it? Yeah, my fifth year, I, well, I was always experiencing like some pain in that knee that I had repaired. Um, my senior year and my fifth year, I was there, I was limited practice. My fifth year, I, by the end of the season, I was not practicing at all. I was just doing walkthroughs and playing games just because it would become that painful. Wow. Um, and then also, against UNC my fifth year, first time we played them, I tore my PCL in my left knee, which was my, oh my quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes, my good knee. <laughs> um, but it turned out that, that, you know, they said, yeah, you know, you know, surgery to repair this. And I was like, no, like, this is my fifth year. I just want to get through the season, play the season out. Um, and it turned out not to be so severe that it needed surgery, so... I was able to play on that. I think I rested a game or two, wrapped it up real tight, put a brace on it, got a little pain meds before the game, and kept it moving um, because we were nearing kind of the end of the season. And my fifth year was a down season for us. Like, we didn't make the tournament that year. So I was at that point, I was just like, let's just get this season over with. Um, let's just finish <laughs> this thing strong. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, 2016, correct? Yep, exactly. So since you technically sat out two years, your freshman and sophomore years, could you have taken a six-year of eligibility on the basketball team? Yes, I could have, and I, I considered it. I really considered it, but um, after kind of talking with my family and thinking about what was next for me, um, even, even a fifth year, if anyone's done a fifth year, you know that that fifth year, you don't, you feel like way older than everyone, you feel like, um, like, man, why am I still in college? Because I think a six-year would have just multiplied that kind of feeling. Um, <laughs> so as much as I would have loved to, you know, play that extra year 
um, just where my body was was just not in a good place. Um, so I decided to hang it up after five. Yeah, I think that's the smart decision just based on all those injuries you went through a six year. Who knew? Who knows? You might be in a wheelchair now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how are your knees today? Um, they are doing incredible. I think the, the demand that playing college basketball puts on your body day to day, um, it's difficult for your body to really heal. Yes, you can do rehab and yes, you can, you know, go through the air quotes again, healing process. Um, but once you have that many surgeries in your knees, the muscles around your knees are not built up to the point they need to be because that takes a lot of time. And obviously, with only so, so many years in college, time is of the essence. Um, I just, I, in college, I never really had the true time to heal because I was always trying to get back on the court. I mean, that's nobody's fault, right? Like, yeah. I'm trying to get back on the court. My coaches want me on the court. My trainers want me to be smart and strong and ready when I get back out there. But there's obviously competing interests, right? Um, Mm -hmm. so after college, I was able to really, like, I took a year off from playing any basketball, doing anything really, um, and let my body heal, only did like strengthening stuff. And now it makes me feel great. Like I'm actually running a half marathon in a few weeks, um, which is something. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I told Coach P and and I was like, you know, you never guess, you know, how limited, you know, how limited I was in college. (laughs) I wasn't able to do all the runs with the team, summer conditioning, I ran probably half as much as everyone else. And now to say that, you know, my body has had time to heal, had time to strengthen, and now that I'm now I'm going to be running a half marathon, it's like really incredible. Um, what, you know, a year or two of just stopping um, will do for your body. That's amazing. Good for you. And where is this half marathon? It's in Charlotte. It's the Charlotte Marathon. Cool. Do you think you're going to work your way up to a full marathon next? Probably not, just because <laughs> running is not exactly great for your knees. Um, but 13 miles, I've, I've, I'm training for it now, and I've gotten up to 11 miles. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, my knees feel pretty sore the next day, but then that next day I'm fine. 26 miles is a whole different ball game. So maybe I'll run a few halves um, and then figure out some other challenge that I want to do. I don't know. Who knows what that will be. But it's just fun to find ways to compete after you yeah. know, life after basketball. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if you run two half marathons, that's like running a full marathon, exactly. right? Exactly. I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> so Amber, what are some highlights you have of your basketball career at Duke? Um, so one, I would say, and that's the thing, like, I'd say winning the ACC tournament, even though I wasn't able to play, was a highlight just because that team with Alexis Jones and Trisha Liston and Chelsea and all of those players, that was an incredible team. And I'm like so lucky to be a part of been a part of that team. That was a highlight. Um, was that in 13? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. So that was a ton of fun. And then I'd say like the rest of the highlights aren't really like extravagant moments, but it's more like, hanging out with the team on the road. Like when we do road trips, we would hang out in each other's hotel rooms and just have the best time. Um, my freshman year with Ejac, we were freshmen and we used to come into the locker room. We had these like horns 
and we'd have like a 6 a.m. practice and we'd come into the locker room with these horns, all four of us, and upperclassmen hated us so much, but like the stuff like that that we used to do our freshman year, um, those are things I look back on. I'm like, wow, that was so, so much fun. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so it's just like little moments like that, um, hanging out on the weekends, getting up early, the fun conversations and dance-offs and things that we did in the locker room. Like, those are all things that I miss so much. I'm not over the horns thing. I would have hated you if I was on that team. Not oh, that yeah, I was anywhere did. close to playing at a Duke basketball level, but still. <laughs> yeah, they hated us. But, you know, they learned to love us after a while. We were just trying to wake, wake everyone up and give people energy. You know, those morning practices can be tough. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a way to do it. <laughs> no, but, you know, I had my brother on a couple weeks ago. He played Division Three basketball, and he's in his 30s now. He's married with kids. And he talked about that. When he goes to his former teammate's house just to watch football, they're not really talking about the games they played in. They're talking about those hotel visits, the bus rides. That, that's what they're talking about. That's the things that, that, that matter in the end, your friendships. Exactly, exactly. There's so many moments and funny stories and getting in trouble together. I remember we went to the Bahamas and lost to Notre Dame in a championship of that little tournament on a buzzer beater. And we were like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to go out. So we went out. And the Bahamas got caught. Of course, our coaches weren't happy that we lost and we're just like out on the town. Um, <laughs> so the punishment that came after that, like that's what you remember. <laughs> Not the actual, like, oh, yeah, we won, like, this championship and that. <laughs> it's those little things that uh, really stick with you. What about senior night in 2015? I guess technically your first senior night with EJAC. <laughs> a one-point win against Carolina. That has to be pretty special, right? That was so special. Um, there was <laughs> My coach asked me, she was like, so do you want to do your senior night or do you want to wait? Like, because I had already announced I was staying another year. She's like, do you want to do it? And I was like, of course, there's no way that I'm not going to be doing senior night with my girls with EJAC. Um, but that game was just I mean, so it couldn't fun. be EJAC if you didn't play. Exactly. <laughs> um, Sorry, I interrupted so, you. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, but that game was incredible. They, you know, UNC had a really good team at the time. It was just a battle. Um, and to be able to pull that out on senior night, just really special. And I told Jenna this when I was talking to talking to her. In the box score, it said she had one rebound. You guys win by one point. I told her, if you don't get that rebound, maybe Carolina gets the ball, puts an easy put back in, and that's the game. So basically, she got the game-winning rebound, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with that notion. I mean, every little point, every rebound, every, you know, all those intangibles, they count. So I'm going to tell her that, too. <laughs> like, shout out to you for making our senior night a success. <laughs> <laughs> So do you look back on your career at Duke and wonder, what if? Or have you come to terms with the injuries you faced? Oh, I always wonder what if. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I dwell on it or feel, I guess, unsatisfied. I, I think coming out of high school um, as a McDonald's All-American, WBCA All-American, all the players that were in those games with me, I watched them play in the WBA now. So that's like really that's a little tough. It's just like, man, like that's the path. That was my plan A. Um, so I, I just really enjoy watching them and enjoy kind of catching up with them on those moments. Um, but in terms of like regretting it or feeling bad about it, I don't. I think 
I got exactly what I needed from Duke, and I hope that I gave um, what was expected of me to Duke. Um, doing great things now, basketball will always be a big part of my life. Um, but it's really, it's really interesting to kind of be on the other side of things and be do, doing something non-basketball related um, as a career now. I think you have a good outlook on it. Like, of course, you're, you're going to wonder what if you see kids that maybe you are ranked higher than playing in the WNBA now. But, you know, unfortunately, injuries do happen. And you're one of those athletes that was dealt a bad hand. But you still played for a top Division One program. You got a great education at Duke. And you made a lot of friends that are, you're, still, uh, you're still friends with today. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, and to that point, there are people like me who were, came out of high school highly touted and didn't end up playing professionally. And then there are other people who, you know, the other way around. They, no one knew who they were in high school or they weren't ranked or they didn't get kind of the praise and the glory that they deserved in high school. And now they're doing incredible things. I'll, I'll mention one example that um, I still talk to Sierra Kahambi. Like, in high school, she was always lighted. She always, like, just missed the list. And now she is doing incredible things. She was obviously Hall of Famer at Wake Forest. Um, the playoff run that the Aces made, that shot that she made, like, just seeing her do <laughs> stuff like that is, like, super incredible. Um, so, yeah, there's stories like mine where it's like, oh, yes, you get all the, the praise of glory early, and then it doesn't pan out. But then there are other stories that's like, wow, that's, like, really incredible. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting to see. You appreciate, you know, where you are, where you come from, and you learn to celebrate with your peers and your sisters on their successes as well. That's awesome. Very mature of you. <laughs> you, can't let, you can't let that stuff eat you up. You'll, <laughs> it's not worth yeah. it. <laughs> you were dealt a bad hand, but it wasn't the end of the world, right? Like, people go through so, much, so many worse things. Exactly. There are people who can't walk or people who are dealing with terminal illnesses. Like, what's my, my tragedy? Like, oh, I couldn't play basketball at Duke or I couldn't play professionally. Um, I and you know, I'm really thankful to my parents as well um, for making sure that, you know, I wasn't so tunnel vision on basketball that I was unable to pivot to something else. Um, even growing up, I was always very well, well-rounded. I told you I went to, like, Madden's like, okay, I've been cheered and did the baton twirling. Um, so my parents really just kept me grounded in that and made me very aware that basketball does not last forever. Some, for some people, it lasts until high school, some people they get through college, some people are going to play long pro careers, but you never really know when that moment is for you. And when that moment does come, you just need to be ready to react and um, gracefully move on to something else. So what did you move on to? So right now I do management consulting um, with Accenture. And mostly with that, <laughs> how I explain to people who don't know, because I didn't even know what management consulting was when I applied for the job. Um, but what I uh, describe it to people as is it's kind of like being a doctor, but for businesses. Um, okay. So <laughs> businesses come to us with problems or things that are going wrong, and we help diagnose those problems and figure out a way to treat them per se. Um, so that's how I, that's kind of how I describe it to um, people, because you know management consulting is so broad in general. Um, but more specifically, I do consulting um, for financial services um, industry and a lot 
of technology consulting, so kind of at the intersection of finance and technology. She's really exciting. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in this space. Very interesting to wrap my brain around things that aren't basketball related. Um, but what I love about my job in Accenture is that I'm still able to use my uh, past as an athlete as a platform um, for things within the company, for things within the Charlotte community. That's still a really big part of me. That sounds like a really cool job. Yeah, it is. I love it. And we have to go back to that third grade assignment. You go to the the Harvard of the South, and you're a doctor of businesses, basically. <laughs> exactly. You fulfilled so it, it. Exactly. It wasn't an exact prophecy, but it was pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> you called game in, in third grade. <laughs> exactly. Once you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about your opinion of the Duke-UNC rivalry these days. Because I'd assume you don't have as much venom against Carolina because you talked about it. Your brother played there. You know a lot of his friends that played there. And I'm sure you also know Roy Williams to some extent. Yeah, yeah. So they're, you know, John playing basketball Carolina, they're really big on the, you know, the Carolina family. Um, so whenever I go there, whenever I need something, Coach Roy, Coach Rob, all those guys over there are like, dropping everything to help me out. Um, so they're, they're great people over there. They've always treated me like family. So it's a little bit hard for me to, to hope they lose. <laughs> but <laughs> when, they, when they play Duke, I'm, you know, now it's a little bit easier. My brother doesn't play there. I don't have to be like, oh, if Carolina wins, I'll be a little happy. When they play Duke, like 100%, let's go Duke. Um, but I always hope that they are successful because, again, the rivalry, is, we're so interdependent on each other. So, like, when Carolina's doing well, that makes Duke more relevant. When Duke's doing well, that makes Carolina more relevant. Um, so it's really a, an interdependent um, rivalry we have. Uh, but in general, I, you know, Duke all the way. I would love to see the women's basketball program um, kind of renew that rivalry. I know in the recent years, it's, it's not been as uh, aggressive, I'll say. Um, so, yeah, that's. That's a little bit about the rivalry from my perspective. <laughs> so March Madness comes along, right? Most Duke fans want Carolina to lose immediately. Most UNC fans want Duke to lose immediately. For you, are you hoping they both get to the Final Four and then play it out from there? Yeah, I think, it'd be, I think it's awesome when those showdowns happen later in the tournament. But it's also really great to be able to make fun of UNC for losing in the first round. Like, both, <laughs> both are equally satisfying. Um, I think overall I want Carolina to do well, but if they, you know, lose in the first round of the tournament, it's just really fun to make jokes and, you know, brag about it to my UNC friends. Like I said, I have a lot of friends at UNC, so it makes for some good um, conversation starters and pieces for me. Um, but in terms of, you know, competitiveness and the rivalry itself, it's I think the dream would be to like see them in the final four against each other, see them in the championship against each other. Like that would just be incredible. Yeah. And a lot of people thought that might happen this past year that they'd both make it to the final four and potentially yeah. play each other in the championship. Yep. I had them both in the final four in my brackets. <laughs> Ooh, I bet you didn't win. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as you were saying, you want to see the girls teams 
get back to that high level that they were in 06 and 07, and even before that, 05, 04, with Elena Beard, Ivory Latta. I'd love to see them be that marquee game again. We see it with UConn and Notre Dame. We see it with South Carolina and Mississippi State. I'd love for Duke and Carolina to get that game again. Exactly. And I think um, even even all the way up to 2010, 2011, when Chelsea was there, um, I think the rivalry was just incredible. Um, but for both the programs to get back on that national stage, um, to be, you know, top-ranked nationally will really bring more attention back to the rivalry because it is an incredible rivalry no matter where we're ranked during the year. But to have, you know, national championship contending teams and the rivalry, like that would just be incredible. I think they're both going to get back there. I think they're both in rebuilding mode. UNC just hired a new coach, and Coach P just hired two former players, and Wanisha Smith and Katora Jackson. Yes, um, I think it was really crucial. I've, you know, when I was there, we had some great assistants who played for Coach T, played on a really high level. Um, but to have two former players that have been there, um, that have, you know, been on those teams, those high-performing teams, um, is really important because they know what it takes and they can relate to the players um, that are trying to get there. So that was really exciting to see. Do you get to go to a lot of John's NBA games? Um, I always go when he comes to Charlotte. Um, and then usually over Christmas break and stuff, I'll just go and catch quite a few games all at once. Um, but it's, it's difficult because with my job, I travel. Um, he's always all over the place. But I try to make sure that I get to a few per year. Nice. And are you someone that watches all his games or follows the box score on the ESPN app? Definitely follow all the box scores. I do not have um, NBA TV, so I don't catch all the games. Because um, when he was in, at the, with the Bucks, it was a little bit easier because um, the past few years they've been really good, so they've been on TV a lot. Um, but now he's with the Cavs, so I'm not sure how many games will be actually aired. <laughs> um, so it'll be a lot of box score following or, or using my mom's NBA TV account um, to catch two games. Nice. So, Amber, I like to end the episode with some fun questions. How does that sound with, for you? Sounds good. Awesome. All right, who is your favorite musician? Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce is awesome. Indeed. What's your favorite song of hers? Um, well, I, I don't know if it's my favorite. It's my favorite right now. Uh, Brown Skin Girl from the Lion King soundtrack. I really oh, like nice. That song. I like her old school, irreplaceable. That's my jam. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. What show are you currently binge watching? I don't really watch shows. I watch a lot of documentaries. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite um, documentary? So there's this documentary series called Explained. And it's like all this random thing, but Explained. <laughs> um, so that's on Netflix. I'm watching that. But if you you know, want to know what I binge watch on the weekends, it's probably like live sports. So the NBA and NFL football. That's really all I watch on live TV. The rest of it is like <laughs> documentaries and Netflix. <laughs> all right, all right. What's your favorite vacation spot? My favorite vacation spot is Jamaica. That was really fun. Um, but I also like going home to Tampa. 
Um, my brother still has a house there. So that's like a really easy, cheap vacation where I can like get the beach, but not the expense of going <laughs> to another country. Um, <laughs> yeah, you so can crash nice at to, your brother's. Exactly. It's nice to have a house in Florida so you can get many cheap vacations from time to time. Nice. All right, Amber, last question. Aside from John's team, who is your favorite professional sports team? Uh, professional sports, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. I'm a, die, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. And you're um, from Texas, as we learned, so that's acceptable. Exactly. And around the age where I started watching football is, you know, when I was in Texas. So that's how I became a Cowboys fan. Um, and then for, like, the NBA, I'd say the Lakers, because I was a Kobe fan. And, you know, they had a, quite a few down years after Kobe retired. But now, you know, they may be good again. So we'll see. Yeah. And just to clarify, that's after the Cavs. After the Cavs. Gotcha, gotcha. Because I did say besides John team, so. Exactly. Cavs are always first. <laughs> Amber, I've had such fun talking to you. I think we had a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And where can the listeners find you if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Instagram, do it like Anne. That's a great handle. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to change mine to do it like Bridge. It, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amber. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Bridget. All right, everyone, that was my conversation with Amber Henson. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.